everyone. Welcome to Osteo. That's Osteo with a capital T-E-A, where Osteo Warriors and Treatment and Recent Survivors spill the tea on all things osteosarcoma and cancer from the AYA cancer patient perspective. Listen in on our honest and very personal conversations about our osteo experiences, stories, and who knows what else. We can go on tangents every once in a while. This podcast discusses all aspects of the young adult cancer experience in a very conversational format, so audience discretion is advised, especially for the little ones. Like and follow MIB agents on social media for all the hot goss and intel. And speaking of all the hot goss and intel, it's almost factor time! I am on there. Factors, our annual conference. Um, It's going to be June 22nd through June 24th in Atlanta. Georgia and registration is now live. Please sign up. Um, you can go to MIBagents.org to register. I had so much fun last time I was there. Camille, I really hope you can make it this year because I you were deeply missed. Devastating news. I asked her oncologist if we could delay my chemo and she said no. Okay, well there's always next year, like but yeah, I should be hooking chemo, definitely. <laughs> but I'm um, not, not advised. You guys should all go sign up and um, go in place with me. Um, because from what I've heard, it's so slay, so it fun. Is. And it really is. so lit. Like, HQ is really where it's at. Yeah, the Warrior yeah. HQ. Like, three, three to four TVs on the wall. All different types of video games. There are arts and crafts. There are all these wellness activities, which is really great. Um, And we're going to talk about a lot of mental health and wellness today because it's May and May is Mental Health Awareness Month. So Factor will help you out in that regard too, even though it's in June. And yeah, we're really excited. Welcome back, guys. Today, we are going to be talking about confidence and identity as a cancer patient as I hope you guys know May is Rental Health Awareness Month, so we thought we would, you know, share about how having cancer and osteosarcoma has affected our identity and confidence and how it's it probably has affected any patients out there, too. Um, It's fairly common, but it's not talked about a lot, so we're here to spill the tea and to share how we cope. But before we get into that... Let's do our favorite segment. What's the tea? No, light is the tea. What is the tea? I will start us off. Per usual, I am double fisting, but one of them is unfortunate. I decided to go to Starbucks this morning mm-hmm. because I'm a week out from chemo. I'm feeling exhausted, and I was like, I need to be as bubbly as possible on the on the podcast today so <laughs> i got my classic which is a grande ice soy blonde latte with nice. extra ice in a venti cup and these these people did not put soy milk in my latte no it's like a little bit of a diy miralax for um if I'm currently struggling with some Zofran-induced constipation, maybe that's too TMI. We've all been there. We've all, most of us have been there. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're on this podcast, we get raw and honest, so, you know, that's that. Um, but that's, like, really devastating news, to be honest, but then I have... I'm so sorry for your loss. Mug. Thank you. 
by the um stands for Camille and for cancer. Um, I have my little strawberry lemonade with a little biodegradable straw. Oh, love that. Save the turtles. Yes. Beautiful. I know it's time. And Mia. As 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 we are always raw and honest on this podcast, um, I woke up about 20 minutes ago. Um, so I have not been downstairs yet into the kitchen to make myself some tea or coffee. Um, I did put some caffeine serum under my eyes, um, so I'm less dead. So that's really nice. And then um, I am drinking a great vintage of Fiji water. Um, there's not much of it left because, uh, as I like to say, hydrate or dihydrate, a uh, phrase that I learned at summer camp when I was a kid, and it still applies. Um, we love we love a hydrated queen. We, we're always drinking water, always drinking water. Um, and yes, I do recycle these, so. Reduce yeah. rooms, recycle. Yes. Mental health awareness and um, environmentalism on this podcast. Environmental awareness, yes. <laughs> All right. So one minute. One minute. I feel like we start with confidence. I mean, confidence is key, and it is something that we have lost the key. Uh, once you get diagnosed, you don't lose the key. <laughs> no, because I, I always say this, like, I, I come on this podcast acting like I know everything, and, like, I can take my own advice, even with, like, the Scanxiety episode, like, oh, yeah. We, I did not know how to do this. Like, it's hard AF, hard AF. But certainly, I think I've learned some helpful insights and, like, you know, tips and tricks and ways of looking at things that are helpful. Um, and I, you, you've been in this, in this, I hate it when people say battle, but you've been in this, in this journey, Jail. It's not a war. Like, it's, it's not, not a war. war. Um, you have been in. You, you've had osteo for 10 years now. And so you have picked up, whether you realize it or not, a million and one coping skills. And I've been in it for almost five years now. It'll be five years in September. And um, so it's almost my five-year anniversary with Rodney. Rodney. No, I love him. Love-hate relationship. Um, but yeah, so, you know, we we have picked up a lot of, you know, ways to boost our confidence and ways to feel more secure in our, in our identity along the way. And so do you, do you want to start talking about some of your, you know, dips in confidence and how you've kind of pulled yourself out of it? Sure. I mean, I think there's a lot of different stories I could start with. I guess I'll talk about, you know, being an Irish dancer and having that part of my identity um, been taken away. Um, when I was diagnosed. Um, so I'm sure a lot of you listeners out there have heard the story, but um, since I was three, I had been Irish dancing competitively. Um, I think like seven, eight, nine, ten, like around those years, I was going to classes like three or four hours, three or four times a week like 16 hours a week practicing um it was intense like irish dance is like an olympic sport they would have you do these intense stamina exercises to make you jump rope and like run for like i don't even i don't even know how long but and then they would like make you 
do your like little dancey dance like 12 times in a row to like build your stamina. Like it was intense. But in that intensity was also like these insanely powerful friendships and relationships with both your peers and your teachers. Like they were kind of like your second family, kind of like how we all call our nurses and doctors our second family. But I'm not going to get into that now. <laughs> anyway, so it was fall of 2012. I was nine or 10 when um, I was at dance class one day. We were actually doing those stamina work workshops. Uh, and I learned about just a wee lad, a wee little lad. I can't do an Irish accent, but um, I can be British. But I had to sit down from one of the stamina exercises and my teacher was like, come here, like, what are you doing? Get back in. And I'm like, no, like, my leg really hurts. Like, something's wrong. And long story short, something was wrong because um, an MRI, x-ray, and biopsy later found I had osteosarcoma in that tibia and it was not a dancer's injury like i had thought so i'm sure we've all heard the classic surgeon sitting us down telling us our options or our family act you know you your options of something along the lines of rotation plasty amputation and limb salvage i personally um had only amputation and limb salvage in my options and I remember asking, like, with limb salvage, it made sense for, like, a 10-year-old. Like, oh, like, you say my leg so I can dance, right? I can still dance? Yeah. And unfortunately, no, ma'am. So that was, like, super devastating. And, like, all of those friendships and relationships that I formed were simply going to be gone, you know? So ultimately, I made the decision that was best for my quality of life and my family also because I was 10 years old like my family helped too but ultimately limb salvage was what felt right mm -hmm. um and yeah kind of just recovering from that was crazy and once I stopped chemo and was getting better I just completely fell out of touch with the Irish dance community, which was just devastating. Like, that was my entire life. And now I'm isolated and alone with no hobby to keep me yeah. going or motivated. It's just get up, go to school, come home, and be sad about your leg. <laughs> like, you can't do anything, you know? So it's really tough, right? Because I think in that era, like maybe fifth grade, I was diagnosed in fourth grade, finished treatment in fifth grade. I would still sit in on classes sometimes to try and stay involved or go to competitions. But the, yeah. the more and more I did that and the farther away I got from my limb salvage and like accepting kind of that Irish dance was not going to be a part of my life anymore, the less sitting in on classes and like going to competitions was appealing or helpful to me it just made me more sad and like more angry that this was my life and I couldn't do it anymore so so I I, I know how hard it is you know when you feel like you have you know this identity that's suddenly stripped away from you and 
you you're desperately trying to stay involved you know it's like i academics was always my passion you know i was always very i was a straight a student i was diagnosed at right right before i was supposed to start my sophomore year of college all throughout high school um I was doing Pilates and working out and doing dance. Um, I'm not a good dancer. It was just for a PE credit. I don't know, but, you know, I was a very active person. And then, you know, I got to college. I was working really hard on my classes, made all these incredible friends in my sorority. And then, you know, I went to school out of state, you know, a three-hour flight away you know, at the University of Washington, go dogs. Um and then I have to stay home. And, and at first I thought it was just going to be, you know, for a year. And it's like, okay, that sucks, but I can go back. And during that year, I was just miserable. I mean, like, and not just from the chemo. I felt like I was so far removed from my friends. FOMO had never been more prevalent. <laughs> um, I actually, one of one of the, the tricks that I can recommend is social media is a blessing and a curse. You want to stay involved with people, but sometimes it can be way too mentally taxing right. to live in the FOMO that much. FOMO means fear of missing out, for those of you who don't know. And so what I did is I created a separate Instagram account where I only followed things that were funny and not actual people. So things like meme accounts and the accounts that post funny videos cancer memes stuff like that like so it was just a way for me to still you know get that squirrel get out of my head kind of vibe but all of it was funny rather than me seeing oh my friends are graduating or you know right. oh my friends went to formal together and they're all there and they're happy and they're texting me that they miss me which is nice but i'd much rather be there invite me invite me to hang out or get lunch with you i totally hear you because graduation season end of semester season everyone in my school was posting like semester recaps best semester of my life and i'm like girl i could have had the best semester of my life if i didn't relapse babes <laughs> so it's just like you know like we can't blame them like that i mean yeah maybe posting that that is their identity obviously and we don't want to like that. but also we can be angry that <laughs> that's not our identity yes. and that being a cancer patient and going through whatever and it, it, it just you know we can be angry about that yes and it's it's completely normal and healthy to feel that way and that's one of the main things that i love so much about mib is that it's brought so many people who have osteo or had osteo who have had similar experiences to you and we can chat about it like camille and i will just text each other and be like Girl, you will never believe what happened, or you will never believe how I feel about X, Y, Z, and we'll just be like, I get it, I I've been there, and it's so nice to have that community. And so it's like, MIB has has, has become our identity as one part of our identity in a way, which is which is an honor. You know, it's an honor to be a part of it, but at the same time, it's still so hard to find your identity outside of cancer, and right. that's something that that I've struggled with is it's like, like you said earlier, like finding hobbies. Like I, I was such, you know, I was such a student, like being a student was definitely my identity and being a good friend, as cheesy as that sounds, but it was like, it was all about my friendships and it was all about school. And I just kind of had most of those things swept away 
So I was like, well, now what? And then I was just like, I feel like an old lady because I'm just sitting at home, you know, bald. I have a knee replacement. You know, I mean, it's a limb salvage, but, you know, it's it's a bigger it's bigger than a knee replacement. I'm watching game shows, eating jello, you know, in the middle of the day, watching game shows, eating jello and doing Sudoku puzzles. You know, like it's like <laughs> it's like, you know, my mom always say, like, my mind is um, 17 and I'm not 17 or no, my mind's 11 and my body is 90 years old. It's like, yeah, you like we're trapped in like our childhood, but like we're living in the here and now. But yeah. And then like your body feels like it's just like where where do I even pinpoint what my identity is? Right. Exactly. And obviously there are identifiers like race and gender and sexuality um, that are not necessarily fully constants, but they're they're more factual about your life. Whereas your identity within the context of cancer is something that can change. Like, oh, I'm in remission. Oh, I'm not. Oh, I'm not in remission, but I'm stable. Oh, but I have a scan coming up. Am I going to relapse? And then it's just this constant whiplash. It's so confusing. It's like, am I the patient or am I a person? Am I a survivor or am I a patient? Like, yeah, it's like some messed up version of of the Oscar nominated. Um, I can't I can't remember if it won a uh, song from one of my favorite movies, uh, the Muppet movie. Um, yeah, Jason Zane. Am I a man or am I a Muppet? Like, am I? Am I your average, you know, 24-year-old or am I some stuck-in-her-16-year-old life, you know, girl who's not in school anymore? And so it's just, it's it's very hard to kind of cope with the fact that that might not be your life again. And, you know, I did have the opportunity to go back to school after I finished MAP. And I did, and it was one of the most challenging things I've ever done. And I'm not saying that I regret it, but suddenly living on the third floor of your sorority is much more of an issue than it was before you had a limb salvage. And, you know, campus being full of old bricks on the ground and stairs and hills is a huge issue. Like accessibility-wise, even though UW has a fantastic, you know, disability resource services team, they can't. They can't just repave all of campus. That would cost millions and millions of dollars and take years and years and years. That's not going to help me right away. And I still had my friends, but they were all juniors, and I was still only taking classes part time. Right. Like I am so scared. Like once I finish chemo, I think I should finish in the fall. But I'm like, do I even want to go back and like have to yeah. deal with like making new friends? Like my friends are now juniors like technically i'm still a freshman with the credits that i have yeah it's just like i was that's exactly where i was do i even want to do that do i even want to do the major i'm doing do i want to do something else like do i maybe the school is making me unhappy like do i want to transfer like it's just like oh my god like it like having cancer and doing treatment it's just like a total reset on your identity and you're like oh i have to actually go and um figure out each pinpoint of what I am trying to be and trying to do with my life. It's just no ma'am. And no and your self-esteem totally takes a blow too, because you're unhappy. And cancer, 
you know, usually drags along its terrible acquaintances slash bad friends, depression and anxiety. And so that makes us losing parts of our identity even harder. And, you know, like I, I've been struggling lately with my identity because I just turned 24. I'm in my mid twenties. And so, you know, people have talked about having quarter life crises. My quarter life crisis is way different than my friends. <laughs> my quarter life crisis is like, okay, I'm being, you know, I'm, I'm about to be done with my Pilates teacher training certification, which is really awesome. It's been great for me to learn. I think it was, it's definitely a way that I've coped is it's still a way for me to learn. Like, look at this crazy book. Look at, look at all the notes I've taken, my scribbly, scrabbly handwriting, and all the exercises that I have to memorize and learn. And it's been great for me to feel like I'm learning again and that I'm moving my body again, things that I love. Um, but it's still not the same. It's, uh, it's still not the same as getting my degree and, and graduation season is very difficult for me. And I find myself much more on that second account that I made, um, than on my main account, because I don't want to see, you know, I have friends getting engaged. I have friends graduating. I have friends announcing that they're going to grad school. I have friends that are like first year of medical school is done. And I'm thinking to myself, that's supposed to be where I am. And all my friends who are like, oh, yeah, I just started a new job. I'm like, I can't start a new job. And I can't really go back to school. I could go back to school. What are you saying with that? Yeah. Every time I've gone back to school, it's... Every time I've gone back to school, I've relapsed. And so I'm terrified to take that plunge in, you know, restarting my education. So earlier, you know... In, in the winter, I was like, do I, you know, last winter, I was like, do I want to apply to Cal State Northridge, which is about half an hour from my house? Um, and I know that they would accept me based on my previous grades and the fact that, you know, I'm an LA resident. Uh, and, or, you know, I could do Pilates certification training, which is like five months of educational stuff. And then you have an extra six months to get all your hours in. And Pilates is something I've done since I was 12 and something that I can still do. Um, I just can't do a lot of the exercises that I used to love the most that were the more challenging ones. But it's a great way to move my body, which makes me feel better about myself. Um, so I picked the Pilates route because the major that, you know, the my dream job is to be a clinical psychologist for AYA cancer patients. And that's going to take me 10 to 12 years and... I was just deemed incurable in September and I'm pretty stable right now, but the, the term like incurable is still hovering around me. And like every time I go back to school, I've just been cursed with a relapse. So it's like, sure, I'll do this Pilates thing. That's like a year long. And then I can kind of have a job and be training people. But at the same time, it's like, I, I love studying and my finals are coming up next weekend. And after that, I'm not going to be studying anymore. I'm just going to be teaching, which is also great, but I I like learning. And it's it's hard to feel good about myself when that's something that I identified with for so long. That my love of learning, my love of getting an education and, you know, kind of losing my way up through academia. And that's something I can't do anymore. Right. 
it's almost like you kind of like ha- like un- unconsciously Pavlov dogged yourself into like yeah. anytime I go back to school I will relapse like that is literally yeah. what happened like it's had multiple times. times it's like it's happened three times it hurts it's, it's a curse and they just like schedule my scan like one month after like it guy goes like literally four months can we do it can we make it can we make it well, through a did the first time and I was there for a quarter and then relapsed and then I had to so I moved all, all my stuff back up to Seattle started school finished a quarter came back for winter break and they were like it's back in your lungs you need more chemo and two thoracotomies and then so up like on the last day of winter break before my sorority house closed my mom had to fly up with one of her friends because I was too distraught to do it and she had to go through all of my stuff and bring it home I remember when I relapsed this March, like it, it was like a month into the semester and I luckily had a close friend like help me move out. But even like the security guard, he's like, why are you moving out? And I'm like, mm, I don't want to talk to you, actually. And then my friend took like the saddest picture of me, like as like a, I don't I don't really think he kind of understood the the greater context. But just a picture of me with the car all packed up. And I looked so depressed in that picture. Like, it was so bittersweet. Like, is like this the last time I'm ever going to be on campus? Is this the last time I'm going to be in a dorm? Like, is this the last move out? Is this the last, you know, time I'm going to be spending with this person? Like, it's so freaking scary. Like, yeah. first, like, set yourself up to go to college, which is something growing up with cancer I never knew if I could do and until like the last quarter of my senior year I was like oh this actually might be happening like I actually might live to go to college and just the whole process of finding yourself in college and then you add the cancer card in there yeah and you're just like it's so hard I think the point I want to get across is that it's so hard and no one knows the right answers or the right thing to say. We don't know the right answers. <laughs> we don't. But but it's something that needs to be talked about. So that's why we're talking about we're, it. Yeah, we're talking about it. And if you're out there struggling with it, you're not alone. You're not alone at all. Uh, I think that was the most difficult part was feeling like I was alone in it. Right. And Same. That, that's, again, I'm again, I'm really not trying to be like, plugging MIB they didn't tell us to do this but I'm serious that that is one of the most beautiful things that MIB has brought me is this community of people who understand and I feel like that is just crucial to getting through your diagnosis with some semblance of okay mental health you know like (laughs) yeah and right I feel like there's there's you know a bunch of different inspirational phrases out there that are like don't let fear win or like stuff like that but it's like no, it's like fear. Let it win. Right already. Yeah, fear has to be a part of our identity because there's anxiety. There, there's so many different types of fear that are connected to living life as an AYA cancer patient. It's like if something happens to me, all right, I'm not that. I'm not going to be that upset about it. But my loved ones are, and that's heartbreaking. And that's nothing that I can control. And so it's like there's so many things that you can't control that you can't help but fear them. And so what I kind of want to get across to everyone is that don't let those inspirational quotes like, don't be scared, don't be worried. It's okay. It's human to be scared and worried. Like, don't 
don't let people like obviously don't fester in the fear you know don't make it your your only identifiable trait but it's okay to have those periods where you're like i'm really scared and i don't know what i'm going to do and camille and i are really just trying to get across that you're not alone in feeling that way yeah there's care there is this um skill i've learned in therapy therapy plug um dbt dialectical behavioral therapy plug um and i think i really think that they need to have like dbt therapists for cancer patients because these skills are like so helpful but um anyway it's a skill called radical acceptance and it's not what you think it is initially like radical acceptance like accepting that i have cancer no no way it's like no it's like accepting reality as it is and not being willful and saying oh i'm gonna throw my hands up and i'm not gonna i'm just gonna sit in my bed cry go to chemo and not live a life yeah like no it's like what can i do to make my life better more tolerable more enjoyable and it's like it doesn't mean that you approve of what's going on but it's accepting it as it is and trying your best to live life as it is if that makes sense no it it totally does and it's it's something that's difficult but it needs to be done and and there are so many different ways that you can achieve it um you know like it's i i was talking to my girlfriend jesse about this recently i was like you know Ever since they told me I was incurable, I there were a couple of months where I was terrified. You know, I was like, oh my God, you know, this is definitely going to kill me. And I know that, you know, I might be chronic for the rest of my life and I might die some other way. You know, like you don't, you don't know. Right. Um, but I was saying to her, I was like, I almost feel freer. Like I've made the decision that I don't want to do more systemic treatment unless it's extremely urgent. And they're like, hey, you really need to do this. Um, like if I, cause I, cause right now I'm content and have accepted the fact that I can live a life while having these ablations, I get cryogenic ablations done on my lung tumors. Um, that's just a minimally invasive procedure where they go in, they, they do a little pokey pokey stabby stab and, and then they blast, they blast the tumor and then I'm home the same day. It's very minimally invasive. It's lovely. Um, doesn't take me out of commission for too long. And uh, it just lets me live my life. And I'm like, okay, systemic treatment for me. I'm not saying that other, like, always listen to your call just not. But for me, I was like, you know, I'm incurable. What's the point of doing systemic treatment right now if we know that it's just going to prolong and potentially make my life more miserable? And I could die from somewhere weird side effect. So I was just like, you know what? For in my case, for what I want to do and what makes me feel more confident and like I have and like I, I my like I get to choose not to do it. And so I chose, you know, I, I, I tried the chemo for a month. It was it seemed to be working, but I but not enough for it to make a huge difference. And I was like, I it caused hyperglycemia. And I was like, I don't you know, I want to be able to eat whatever I want and not worry that I'm going to become a diabetic because of it. Because 
going out to eat with friends and family is a great way for me to feel connected to them and to feel part of your decisions. It's part of my identity. And so I didn't want another aspect of my identity stripped away from me. And so I chose just to go with the surgical route and I feel freer. Like I, I just, I'm happier. Like I, I don't have to worry about being as immunocompromised. You know, obviously I'm still extremely careful because you are going to be immunocompromised for the rest of your life, unfortunately. But, um, and that's an identifier. We're immunocompromised. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I kind of, yeah, sorry. Go. Out that. What, I, what, basically what I was just going to say is when you feel like you can make more of your own decisions, you feel more confident in yourself because you're the one who's chosen the path that you're going to follow, whatever that may be. And obviously it's with, you know, guidance from your entire team and they're there to help choose what's best for you. At the end of the day, you know what's best for you. Right. And mental health is, in my opinion, just as important as physical health. So. Agreed. You know, <laughs> you, you want to maintain that identity so you feel confident in yourself and that you don't, you know, go too stir crazy just sitting at home. Yeah, because I'm definitely feeling that. Like, being home from college, I am going a little stir crazy in my, I have chemo every three weeks. It's like, one week I'm feeling so gross, like, unconscious, like, don't, you cannot reach me. And then the two weeks I'm like, spunky little old Camille, like pre-chemo Camille. And it's just like, what is this dynamic of like, identity of a sick person identity of a healthy person like it's a very mind-boggling experience but I think it really is about making small choices or big choices like you know like going on treatment doing radiation doing ablations that can really help you overcome and not maybe not overcome but cope with your identity kind of shifting around like I know earlier I mentioned the whole Irish dance thing, but um, in like middle school, I think the seventh grade, my friends were like, let's audition for the school musical. And it was Elf Jr. And I auditioned, got the saleswoman. So, and then that really sparked my love of theater. And um, I was able to like, you know, talk with the directing people and say like I have cancer my leg like I can't really dance I can modify stuff um but you know like that's that and I it's like theater dance and Irish dance are two very different things like you know theater's just like a little jazz square grapevine moment maybe a cha-cha slide or something but Irish dance like you're banging into the ground like your holograph would just snap in half like yeah. I actually tried to do that where you're on your your tippy toes doing spins and I was just like that's not happening but um then I, I from there I fell in love with theater and that's what really carried me throughout um middle school and high school and even college I did shows with my school and it was super competitive to get into those shows but yeah. through throughout my all my cancer fighter I hate that word cancer years <laughs> I was training and doing shows and I eventually started getting leads and it was just like 
okay, here's here's my identity. Like it yeah. feels a little shaky at sometimes, but here it is. I think, and it builds community as well. You have the, the it's a, even if you get a smaller role, you're still in the community, right? Like the outpour of love from my little BU on Broadway shout out. Everyone bought like my sweatshirts that I was um, doing for a fundraiser. And it's actually funny. We, they were doing like board member elections and you, it was like a Google form and they had videos of their speeches and two out of like the maybe eight or six people that were running were wearing my sweatshirt in the video. And I was like, Oh, you got my <laughs> People send me pictures of people walking down the street wearing um my shirt on campus. Like I've gotten so many of those. It's just like that's crazy, and it it's really nice to have that sense of community. Yeah, because it helps your identity a little bit, you know, and it helps your confidence too that people care, that people care about you. They want you su- to succeed. And I feel like, you know, you were talking about advocating, you know, for yourself to the directors and to the people running the shows. And when you're more confident, I feel like you advocate for yourself in better ways. I feel like you're you're a more proactive advocate. Right. And so I feel like that's why that's why confidence is is so important to rebuild after a diagnosis or after a relapse or even in the middle of it or even after you're in the clear after you're in remission and you're still trying to find your identity again. There are a bunch of small ways that you can rebuild your confidence, like expressing gratitude towards your friends. And, you know, there, there are studies that are out there that have, you know, cause I, I, it took a lot of psych classes. And one of my favorite things that I learned in my psych of happiness class is that when you show gratitude to a person, like you write them a gratitude letter, um, you feel as grateful if not more so than the person receiving the letter which is really interesting right. so it's like that's a really great way to boost your confidence or you can find little hobbies that make yourself you know feel more like you like i know that it's something that you like too because you were in the theater but makeup is something that has helped yeah. me feel more like myself again especially when i didn't have eyebrows or i didn't have hair Yes, my eyebrows are currently falling out, but I fill them in as a right. I fill them in before I like go in for like because in clinic I just get fluids before they admit me for like overnight chemo, and all then I had like five nurses be like, "Your eyebrows look so good," and I'm like, "Babes, they're falling out. Like I don't know how they look good, but even even that, it's like they didn't have to say that, and like filling them in." made them say that and that boosts your confidence that boosts your self-esteem so anything that you know works and also following up on you know the doing the gratitude letters my my therapist usually listens to me so hi lauren um (laughs) but we um she taught me to do one thing kind for your mind one thing kind for your body and one thing kind for someone else every day and that is so I'm talking. <laughs> Literally take it. Take it because it's so good. I love I love writing like stupid little notes or like my friend recently moved into a new apartment and I got them like you know, random stuff that like you forget to pack. Like soap, everything bagel seasoning, like 
a little candle, a little decoration, a little dog toy. It's just like, I don't know, gift giving is my love language, but, and that's part of my identity. My love language, right? Let's just know what we're getting back here, guys. You see what we're doing here? <laughs> and, and it doesn't have to be something like makeup, obviously, you know, like that's, that's an example that we're using and it doesn't have to be giving gifts. And sometimes the best person to, to gift something to is yourself, you know, like treat yourself a little bit. Like skincare, I think is an incredible way. You know, there are thousands of different products out there that are clean and safe for sensitive skin if you're still going through treatment. And you could just throw on a face mask. Obviously, check with your doctor first if you're going through, you know, if you're, if you're on a treatment that makes your skin super duper sensitive. Um, but you could do like a little treat yourself moisturizing face mask and you know, like a deep huffing treatment that makes you feel just a little bit more like yourself. And that will boost your confidence because you're being kind to yourself. And I feel like a lot of the times when you have cancer, you feel like the cancer is a part of you because it's in you, you know, it's like, it's, there's a phrase that I, that I say a lot in therapy about how I feel and to my friends about why the cancer, why my cancer upsets me so much sometimes and it's how it impacts others. And it's like, even though, you know, other people will be upset, like my loved ones will be upset when something bad happens to me because they care. And that's a good thing, you know, which just means that I'm surrounded by good people, but then I feel guilty. And people are like, why do you feel guilty? And I'm like, because it's me. Right. It's not me because I can't control it. But at the same time, it's still happening to me. And so that can be really emotionally taxing. And so when you're feeling like that, you can write a gratitude letter to the people who are supporting you or just send them a nice text or send them, you know, just whatever it, it can be a little thing that reminds you of them or just a meme or it doesn't have to be anything deep or you could just put on a face mask and be like how nice it, is it that i'm loved by all these people like they're here to support me and they're upset because they care mm -hmm. and i feel like that really boosts confidence and, and that's like skincare is something that i've heavily invested in and so is makeup because it makes me feel more like me and it makes me like physically treat myself like it makes me physically do something that's good not i'm not saying that wearing makeup or not wearing makeup is good but you know what i mean like just yeah wearing like something for your body that is not getting a blood draw or getting chemo in injected into it like exactly body it's taking care of your body it's you know relaxing doing something yeah good one of, and one of my biggest mood boosters that I used to do in the hospital when I was like on bed rest or, you know, like even if it's not technically bed rest, but you know, you're like, you're attached to the pole when there's something going into you and it's really hard to move, you know, like we won't be in there. Vibes. And so I recommend just like taking two water bottles and just doing some bicep curls. And as stupid as that sounds, it's still moving your body, even though you're sitting down. And honestly, if you're too exhausted to do it, don't beat yourself up for not doing it. But that's one of the small things that I would do. Like, all right, it's a commercial break. I'm going to do, you know, like 10 curls this way and then 10 curls this way. Rest for a few seconds and then repeat. And that just made me feel like I was doing something nice for my body that wasn't pumping it full of medication. Even though it's medication that's needed. 
you know, it's it's but doing it's medication that you control. That's medication good. that brings you down, right? Yeah, and you're doing something right, good. Yeah, or, you know, you're 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 building those endorphins, which is really nice. Um, love endorphins. You just yeah, any anything that just brings you a little bit of happiness and is a healthy emphasis on healthy coping mechanism, you should not be ashamed of ever. Anything that helps you feel better is self care. You know, right. as long as it's healthy, then you're good. Right. And I think to wrap out the episode, a point I want to finish on is as cheesy as this phrase is, you have you have cancer. The cancer doesn't have you. Yeah. <laughs> that is like one of those cheesy Pinterest quotes that we told you not to follow. It totally is. It is. This one is true. <laughs> this one is it's true. true. Cancer, like... You are your own person. You can form your identity outside of cancer because 100%. cancer is just one aspect, one tiny aspect in this whole atmosphere, universe of other things that make you, you. Your hobbies, your family, your friends, your values, what you're grateful for, your pets, like where you go to school, what you, what you want to do with your life. There's so much more than cancer and it can feel so consuming and so overwhelming but i promise babes i promise babes out there it's not it's not the only thing and there's so much more to it 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 feels like it can be the only thing that's taking over your life but when you do have energy and you take the time to figure out what makes you happiest and once you start that process that's half the battle right and once you really start finding things that make you feel good, it will it, it will make you happier. It will make you feel better about yourself. And when you feel better about yourself, you're just happier living. And it makes you more grateful for the opportunity. It's like a snowball effect. Like it just keeps like the the, the gratefulness keeps building. keeps building and the happiness keeps building and there are ebbs and flows for sure and and at the end of the day I feel like what we just are getting across is treat yourself every once in a while don't beat yourself up for feeling down because feel your feelings I feel your feelings for sure it's mental health coping mental health awareness month use your coping skills and maybe we'll do a little coping skill episode soon yeah stay tuned that. <laughs> well but, yeah, I think that's definitely something we should consider yeah that would be great but but you are loved yeah you are not alone and just treat yourself everyone so treat yourself treat yourself yeah well everyone that was our episode today thank you so much for tuning in until next time uh we're your hosts camille and mia and until next time that's Zerti. Bye, guys. <laughs>